Hi everyone, I am Courtney White and this is Jackson Walker Fast Takes. The cosmetics segment of the beauty and personal care market has been forecasted to grow between 2023 and 2027 by over 20%, reaching total projected revenue of $125 billion in 2027. Different markets have varying legal requirements for cosmetics companies, and in the U.S., those requirements materially changed in late 2022 with Congress's passage of the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulation Act. This new law largely rewrites how the Food and U.S. Drug Administration regulates cosmetics companies of all sizes in the U.S. and presents several key issues for those companies to consider and act on now. Today, my colleague, Nick Diamond, a partner in the healthcare section of our Houston office, will discuss these updates. Nick, I am excited about our discussion today. Thanks, Courtney. Looking forward to it. So my first question is simply this. Can you just explain a a couple of key provisions in the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulation Act? Sure, and maybe helps to start with big picture as well. FDA, uh, among many things, regulates uh, cosmetic products here in the U.S. In the past, they really had, I would say, lightly regulated cosmetics. And I, I say lightly because their authority under federal law was more limited compared to, say, a drug or a device. Uh, but with that passage of the new law uh, late last year, uh, we do see things changing pretty significantly over the next couple years as FDA starts to actually implement parts of that law. So a couple things I would say that stick out to me There are some additional procedural requirements for companies uh, operating in this space. So that's things like having to register their facilities if they manufacture or process a cosmetic that's offered for sale in the U.S. So even if you're a manufacturer based outside of the U.S., if you're selling that product in the U.S., that still applies to you. You also now have to uh, or will have to list uh, your cosmetic products Uh, with FDA, something that uh, we didn't have before. Product listing is a a new addition. And then there are also, in addition to these more procedural requirements, uh, requirements that really speak to the the manufacturing of the products themselves. So we will have, over the next couple of years, development by FDA of what are called current good manufacturing practices that uh, will be a requirement in federal law. In the past, FDA had uh, put out current good manufacturing practices that were voluntary for cosmetics manufacturers. Um, Many in practice followed it, but some not necessarily. So with these new current good manufacturing practices developed over the next couple of years, that'll really change things on the manufacturing side uh, for companies. Uh, And then there are a couple other additional requirements around safety, substantiation, and reporting adverse events, uh, which are also new and, again, just speak to meaningful changes for uh, manufacturers in particular. Thank you, Nick, for painting that landscape for us. I think what would be very helpful now is to let us know what are some things that companies need to consider with this new act. Well, it really starts with where you are involved in the supply chain for cosmetics. There will be a little bit of variability based on where you sit. So if you're a manufacturer of cosmetics, uh, you have many things to consider over the next couple years. And and indeed, right now, uh, that's where you see some of those facility registration and product listing requirements uh, that I mentioned earlier. 
uh, really uh, having a bit more urgency because the compliance date for those uh, is December 29th of this year, so fairly soon. And then obviously, if you're a manufacturer, you also want to be thinking ahead about the current good manufacturing practice changes that uh, FDA will be developing over the next couple of years. It's probably a little bit different if you're not a manufacturer, but a distributor or a packer. So those requirements uh, are less likely to impact you. Really just important to think about the role that you play in the supply chain uh, in order to understand which of the new requirements will apply to you. But also if you are, uh, as is very common in this uh, industry, if you're a quote unquote brand company, so let's say you're a, a newer startup company in the cosmetic space, uh, chances are as the brand company, so the the forward-facing uh, marketing arm, let's say, for a cosmetics business, you're probably going to contract out all of the different manufacturing, distribution, even in some cases, formulation development to other third-party vendors. And if you're doing that, it really puts a premium on doing diligence on all of those vendors to make sure that they understand the requirements that apply to them as a result of the law uh, and making sure you as the brand company have the appropriate contractual protections in place to make sure that your vendors are appropriately complying with these changes and minimizing risk for you as a result. Thank you for sharing that. Now, we've talked a lot about companies and how this will affect the cosmetics industry, but I think it would also be really interesting to discuss how these new provisions will impact cosmetic consumers. Yeah, this is an interesting issue. It's really, as I mentioned before, since we had a quote-unquote lighter regulation in the cosmetic space, really where consumers will see a benefit over the next couple of years is the amount of transparency into the products they buy, those ingredients, and also just on narrow issues like uh, fragrance allergens. So fragrance allergens, for example, will now have to be appropriately noted on the label of cosmetic products. So we have these just little examples of additional transparency that ultimately will benefit consumers. And then, of course, indirectly, consumers will benefit from uh, the additional manufacturing and safety substantiation requirements that uh, will be implemented over the coming years. Obviously, that speaks to the, the quality of the products that they'll be able to buy and the assurances that come from that uh, as a result of FDA's expanded authority. So really an overall benefit in terms of transparency and product quality and, and the assurances that come with that. This has been a really interesting discussion, Nick, and I want to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the time, Courtney. For more information and additional JW Fast Take podcasts and webinars, please visit jw.com forward slash fast.